1: For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia.
2: Well, thank you for joining me today. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And I'm so glad that you joined me today. We are going to talk about a topic today that is very near and dear to my heart as um, a psychotherapist for a living. I've done this for 24 years now. And I thought maybe we would do a show today on how do I know when I need help. And as I was driving into the studio today, I kind of felt like I should change the title to let's not wait until it's major. Because, you know, this is usually what happens in my office. I get People when it's the last effort, I, I'm like the, the last great hope, you know, they, they maybe have, have waited and waited and waited and thought they could endure it and hoped it would just get better. And many times by the time I see people, it, it, it feels like many times to them, sounds like many times it's too late. And so I really wanted to take some time today and say, let's not wait until it gets major. Let's figure out how do we know? What are some indicators to know when we may want to seek either some professional help, some lay help, just help from our friends, our family, um, certainly help from maybe our church, uh, maybe life coaching, uh, mentoring, a, a lay counselor, any of these things, a professional, certainly a doctor, lawyer, whatever that may be, whatever the help may be, to maybe identify when we may want to do that. And certainly, more than anything, Really beseeching our Lord and asking for help from God. So I like this quote by Billy Graham, which says, The Christian life is not a constant high. I have my moments of deep discouragement. I have to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, Oh God, forgive me or help me. I love that. I mean, we think about Dr. Billy Graham as like the greatest of all great Christian leaders. And he says, you know, it's not a constant high. My life is not that. It's, I have moments of deep discouragement. And he says, I have to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, oh, God, forgive me or help me. And so I like this verse. James five sixteen, kind of encompasses that, that same thought, that same feeling that Billy Graham has. And it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And I'm sure you've heard many teachings on this verse, but I want you to really focus on this. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. It doesn't even say you're professional people. It says just on a regular basis, be confessing to one another, just admitting your wrongs, saying what's going on, acknowledging that things are not maybe where they need to be, and asking for prayer. Because there's tremendous healing in unburdening our heart. And so when God says, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other, that you may be healed. Because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And of course, we know that righteousness is not about me being a perfect person, so therefore I can pray for you because I've accomplished everything, or I've overcome everything. My righteousness is because Jesus lives in me, and therefore I have the right to go to God on your behalf. And I have the right to say, God, I pray for my sister. I pray for my brother. And God says he'll hear my prayers for you, just as he hears your prayers for you as well. But there's power when two people, three people, when we are together and we agree. And so I do pray for my clients. I love to pray for my clients. Because I know that me alone as a professional, certainly I have education. I have a lot of life experience. I have some talent at at being a, a therapist but I can't do what God can do. So I actively pray for my clients. So how do we know when we need help and when you shouldn't do it yourself? Well, the number one thing to know is the word enduring. When there's an issue that's enduring, when it quote unquote stands the test of time, it just doesn't seem to go away. We're not talking about something that's been around for a week or two. We're talking about something that's been around for years. That's enduring. How about, here's another great way to know that you, you may need some help. It's dangerous. Whatever it is that you're doing may be dangerous. It's illegal. It's immoral. It's unethical. It's hurtful. These things we know and we e- even then still deny. We still hope it goes away. We're drinking and driving. We're eating more than we should. We're not exercising. We're actively lying to our accountant about our taxes. These are all these things it really are dangerous. They're illegal, immoral, and ethical, hurtful, and we all are human, and we struggle with the majors. So, what I want to say to you is, if it's a major, absolutely, this is time to get outside the box, get outside yourself, and say, you know what, I may, I may need to ask for some help in this area. Now, the nice thing about the world that we live in is you can go to someone and have some anonymity. That's why people come to me. Because a lot of what they come to me about are major, major, major issues. And they don't feel like maybe in their life that they have people that either can actually help them with it or that they are feeling safe enough to share it with. So if it's a major, there are people that can help with major issues. But how about if it's just enduring and getting in my way? as to being who God has created me to be. What if it's an enduring issue? Like I just chronically feel bad about myself or or I I feel self-conscious or I keep sabotaging myself or I get in my own way or I have a hard time being assertive or I'm struggling with um, lying like little white lies because I just don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And so that's enduring. Or how about about, this is a, a really great way to know that you probably need some help with something. If you have active resistance, like as soon as you think about, I probably should talk to somebody, you go, oh, I don't want to do that. And you get all those feelings that cause you to want to go, oh, I'll think about that tomorrow, or it's really not that bad. Um, I'll read a book about it. I'll go online. I'll research it. Uh, I'll pray about it. And so there's active resistance. And this is how for me, I always know. I always know when I go, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to address that. I don't want to have to go and apologize to that person. I don't want to take responsibility for something. Whatever it is that I'm actively resisting and I feel it in my gut, that usually means I need some help. So why don't I ask for help? Why is that? Well, usually I'm embarrassed. I have all those shoulds. I shouldn't have this problem. I should have done it differently. I should be better. Um, I should have seen this coming. You know, whatever whatever it is that we are telling and shaming ourselves about, we have to understand it's totally unproductive, but it's very powerful and it can be very paralyzing. So we know the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. That's that John 10.10, 10, and that he uses condemnation to stop us from getting the help that we need. So what are some reasons that we don't ask for help? Well, we think we caused it. Okay, maybe we did. (laughs) Maybe you did cause the problem. Uh, That would be common to, to mortal men. So maybe we didn't cause it, but we still have to deal with it. So even if I caused it, it doesn't negate the need for help. And it doesn't negate the need for changing. So how about this? We don't get help because we're embarrassed. Like we shouldn't be having this kind of problem. We should know better. We should have done better. And all those shoulds come in. And see, you have to understand that, you know, there's all these people that are in the helping profession, doctors, therapists, pastors, we all need help too. And we all go get help. And if we don't, God makes sure that we do because he's wanting all of those of us that are in the helping profession to be living out what we teach, what we preach, what we advocate. So we do go and get help and imagine what it feels like for somebody that's teaching you what to do to actually not be accomplishing it and needing it. So if all of us pastors, I have pastors on my caseload, they're very wise pastors to come and get help and support and encouragement. I have all kinds. I have CEOs. I have teachers. I have lawyers. I have doctors that are on my caseload. And thankfully they are wise enough to come and get the help that they need so that they can help you. Well, we need to do that for one another. You're just as important as all of those other professions. And so we get embarrassed. We think we shouldn't have this problem. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, you know, I I grew up, I vowed to myself I would never do what my parents did, and now I'm doing it. I'm acting just like my father. Or I'm acting just like my mother. Or maybe you judged somebody, and now you're doing the very thing you judged them for. You said, I can't believe that person has that problem. And a couple years later, you find yourself having the same one. So maybe we're afraid to be found out Maybe we don't, we don't want to admit it. We think that, wow, as soon as I admit it, it gets bigger. Well, it's our denial that we like to keep it small. Because if we're afraid to be found out, if there is fear and resistance, that is a big reason to know that we probably are needing some help. And if we don't get that help, then a lot of times it will find us. And so we see that many times with people that have drinking problems. One of the things that causes them to bottom out is they get a DUI. Now it's public. Now they have to deal with it. Whereas maybe if they came in a little bit earlier and and regardless of the shame or the embarrassment they felt, just said, you know, I am drinking too much. I'm drinking too much. I, I, I need some help. I need to stop. This isn't good for me. But our shame gets in the way. You see, God is not ashamed of us. He knows the issue of pain. He understands why we do the things that we do. And he's not angry with us. So what if... like a part of the problem. Well, let's say we have a drinking problem. We don't want to mess up our social life and be the odd person out and have to admit and have to look different in that, in our, in our social group. So maybe we want to go, you know what? I'll just learn to manage this. That's what I'll do. I'll figure out a way to manage it. So what if the problem is because of someone else and we don't feel it's fair that we have to go get help when someone else did it? And so we really want to look at these issues and say, what is it, God, that is getting in the way of me getting the help that I need, that is available for me? And I don't want to be my own saboteur. Now, these things are very complicated and very difficult. And it's going to be hard to address all of these in this this show. But more than anything, I want to encourage you to understand that nobody likes to go get help. When it comes to something that is wrong, we know isn't where we want it to be none of us are excited to go and get help some of us may feel some relief when we finally agree to go do it but this is one of the hardest bravest things we could ever do is to get help this is cynthia hyatt with conversations with cynthia join me in the next hour as we talk about how do i know i need help Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt. And before we get started, I want to encourage you always to visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com and Facebook, like my Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Inc. That's I-N-C for Incorporated. If you have a hard time finding me on the web, you can always contact the um, station here and they will give you the information to get a hold of me as well. So we are talking today about how do I know when I need help? And we addressed quite a few things in this previous um, segment. And we, thought, we talked about, you know, maybe we think we've caused it. And I said, you know, maybe we did. But we still need to get help. Maybe we're afraid to be found out. Maybe we feel embarrassed. We shouldn't have this kind of a problem. Maybe we want to stay in denial and, and kind of minimize it. And so one of the ways that we can really help ourselves in understanding when we need help is the one word, and that's Enduring. If an issue is enduring, if it continues to stand the test of time, and no matter what I do, I change people in my life, I change jobs, I change my appearance, I get an education, whatever it is that I do, and this thing is still here, that's when I know I need some help. And we talked about the verse, James five sixteen that says, Therefore confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, And, you know, God is very much into simplicity. He understands the human heart and how powerful and healing it is to unburden our hearts. And many times what I have found in my practice is that our brain, our mind has a tendency to make big things small and small things big. So when I start talking to somebody about something, many times as I talk about it, I might find myself saying to them, Oh my gosh, this is really ridiculous. I, I can't believe I'm making such a big deal about this. I, I, okay, whatever. This is not a big deal. Or sometimes I start talking about something and I go, uh-oh. Oh gosh, this is a lot bigger than I thought. And so you have to understand that the unburdening process helps us to get some perspective, helps us to know the truth maybe about what's going on. It also is relieving. And there's a great sense of relief many times when I unburden myself and I talk with a safe person. Now, it may need to go a little farther than that. We may need to you know, enlist the help of a professional and get some really good tools and some other supports around this that particular issue or what we're going to talk about later is that many times when we do not want to get help on a particular issue, there's a compounding effect. And so that particular issue morphs into other issues and we get things that are more complicated but the initial process of unburdening and then having someone that's willing to pray for me has a lot of impact and we don't want to minimize that at all so what what is this we need to go back to this faith and this wisdom of a child and i want you to think about why god is so big on telling us that we need to fa- we need faith like a child and we need to come to him like little children because you have to remind yourself and remember that children need to learn to be ashamed of asking for help. They have to. We, we teach them to stop asking for help. They come to us with everything as parents. And what we want to do is as we are causing them and helping them to be healthy adults, that we give them good perspective and wisdom about what they can do on their own and what they can't do on their own. But many of us in the families we grew up in and in the society that we've grown up in, we kind of learn to not go to anybody with our problems. And so we need to go back to what it means to be a child. And we need to to realize that God is saying, Come to me, come to me, all ye that are weary, heavy laden, I will give you rest. So he's wanting us to unburden ourselves on him. And he's wanting us to take advantage of the people that are in our life and and the, the resources that we have. Because one of the things that causes us to not want to get help is this issue of shame. So let's look at the first people, the first account of sin, and those two people that desperately needed help, and that was Adam and Eve, and they did not go to God. The first people to encounter sin entering into their life, making a bad choice, Yes, it was their fault. They created it. They caused it. But not one time did God give them any indication that he didn't want to help them. But their natural inclination was to go hide and fix it on their own. So we see that this this tendency goes back a long way. So that all of us have this tendency in us to fix it on our own, hide, figure it out by ourselves, and hope that we get it right and nobody sees what we've done or what we're struggling with. So we want to cover ourselves up, protect ourselves, and hurry up and get it right. And God is saying, what's going on? Why are you hiding? Where are you? And so we want to come forward with God. If That's, the, that's always a great first start is just to simply say to God, I really need help. I really need help, and I think I need more help than just praying to you. I need help outside of myself, and I don't know how to get it. I don't know how to do it. I don't even think I want to do it. I'm afraid to do it but God, I know I need to do it. Please help me make that step. Bring people into my life. Create circumstances maybe that help it, make it easier for me to get that help. You see, asking for help can be very scary, but you are worth it. We need to keep asking until we get what we need. There's power in helping and there's power in being helped. That's important to realize. There is power in helping and there is power In being helped see imagine if the unnamed man that helped Jesus carry his cross was not available or willing so don't rob yourself or others of either of these actions either of those life-changing powerful experiences of being helped or helping Jesus did not rob that man of helping him and that man was not robbing himself or Christ by refusing to help so asking for help is scary It's one of the bravest things you could ever do. So I want you to be a leader in your family, in your community. We only have one life. So get what you need so you can live it. Don't look back and regret your pride, seeing that you lost something precious because you were too afraid to ask for help. Too embarrassed to address a need, a deficit, a wound, or a problem. So we say, you know, get over yourself, get over it, so that you can be who you are and enjoy the life God has for you and the people in your life. Because it doesn't just affect you. See, I wish we could localize our problems to just us. We like to think that if people don't know about it or know the specifics, that somehow it's not affecting them. But see, we're all connected. So you may not know specifically what is going on with someone's, someone, in someone's life. You may not know specifically the problems they're having. But you will feel the effect of some of those problems. And that has to do with the fact that when we're battling a problem, we're not all the way present for other people. We also are actively hiding and actively denying, which requires a lot of energy that we are now not able to give to others or the world around us. It's kind of like if you think about just your body. If your toe is hurting, the whole body feels it. The whole, the whole body may not know exactly what's wrong with the toe, but the whole body has to comprom- is compromised. It has to work around that injury. So even if a person doesn't know the specific problem, they're going to feel it. So we say again, get on with it, get over it, have the life God intended for you to have. And the way we do that is we get help because getting help stops the compounding of those problems. So we're heading into another break. This is a hard break at the half of the hour. And we're going to come back and I'm going to tell you a story, a couple's story uh, in my office why this is so important to know when to ask for help? This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me on my website at Cynthia Hyatt Inc. or my website at cynthiahyatt.com. Thank you for joining me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And we are talking today about how I know if I need help. And I was saying in the very beginning of this show, I thought maybe I should retitle it and say, let's not wait until it becomes a major. Because so many times, so many of us do. And if you're just joining me today, I want to encourage you to visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com because these are all on podcasts. And you can listen to the first half of this show as we talked about how to know when we need help, why we need help, the importance of getting help, and what constitutes uh, help. So I wanted to tell you the story. This, This happens frequently in my office, more often than I would like. And that is, let's say I get this couple that comes into my office and they've waited two months to get in. So I get them in and I go through the intake process and they start telling me some of the things that are... Are happening that they're struggling with. And and midway through uh, the session, I find out that uh, the husband has said, oh, and, and last week I told her I wanted a divorce. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, that's a really big piece of information because that tells me a lot about the state of the marriage, even though they're sitting there talking to me very nicely and, and uh, very reasonably, and they're in there together. And so I think to myself again, as I have over the years, why why did they wait until they wanted a divorce to come and see me? Now, it doesn't mean that I can't reverse it. And I did with this couple and I do very frequently with couples. But my goodness, the time, the effort, the money that it costs to undo that when we get to that point and, and the wreckage and damage that has occurred over all the years, the things that need to be healed it, to reverse that and to start new, and to create that new relationship. And the stress that it has had on their jobs, on their other relationships, on the lives of their children, and and then, you know, not having the relationship that you want or that you need leads to other compounding problems such as infidelity, self-medicating behaviors, many times addictions, uh, many times physical problems, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, uh, migraine headaches, Um, you know, our immune system gets compromised because of the stress that we are under. So we get a whole bunch of other problems. Now, certainly maybe some of these symptoms are one of the things that created some of the need, uh, or the the reason for people wanting to divorce. But I want you to think about this idea that, wow, they waited until the last minute. So they go to get professional help when they have no other options available. When this is, the, this is we're going over the cliff, so maybe we'll call a therapist. And, and I don't say this in a condemnatory manner. I, I myself can be the same way. We're all human. We all wait. We all do this. We don't want to get help. We don't want to be proactive. We want to just say to ourselves, oh, it's got to get better. And then we have these minutes or moments. Maybe we have a week and things are a little bit better. And then we say, okay, we're fine. And then it tanks again. So I want you to think about How do we really know when we need professional help? Because in this show, I'm talking to you also about getting the help around you from friends, lay counselors, um, mentors, life coaches that also help to cause us to take care of things before they become a major and you may need to enter into some psychotherapy. But I also want to just let you know that with psychotherapy, it isn't always a major problem. So that, that it's a really wonderful process to do life management as well. So we all endure stormy, stormy weather in our lives. We know that. So how do we know when getting help or, or making it through those, those wars, those storms? How do we know when we need to see a psychotherapist? Well, this is one of the, I'm going to list a couple of for you, and we're going to take this into the next segment as well. So one of them is distress. If you're if you are enduring any type of distress and remember in the last segments we said this idea of of enduring that if it's an enduring problem that it's gone for months and years and doesn't seem to want to abate and it doesn't seem to go away so it creates tremendous distress and and therapy can help people cope with distressing emotions so you might be struggling with sadness anxiety being afraid or angry any of these types of trouble concentrating, sleeping, remembering things, feeling motivated, that distress over something or chronic distress is indicative of the need for some outside help. And it's particularly important that you get some professional help if you're feeling things that are suicidal or homicidal. If we're getting to that place where things are getting so over the top, so compounded that we're feeling like the only thing that will fix it is something extreme. And so we really need to do that. How about a specific problem? If you're experiencing emotional or behavioral problems that impact your life, it's time to consider some therapy. And these can be things like addictive or compulsive behaviors, drug addictions, alcohol addictions, emotional eating, compulsive shopping, gambling, compulsive hand washing. The, the therapy can really help life in this manner because these types of things, those specific problems directly affect our most important relationships. So, this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about how do I know when I need help? I hear the whispers in my throat. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I am Cynthia Hyatt, and today we are talking about how do I know when I need help? So I want to encourage you to go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and that's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. All of these shows are on podcasts right on the website. You can also um, find me on the station's website, and that can also lead you to the podcast's so that you can maybe, if you're just joining in right now, you can listen to the, the first parts of the show where we talked more specifically about this idea of when do I need to get help and how do I know that. So in the last segment, we left off with these first two, that if there's distress, if there's a specific problem, and in the beginning of this show, we talked at length about this idea of something enduring, that that's always a telltale sign if there is something that's enduring. That always lets us know that it's probably not going to go away on its own. So if we have specific problems, how about if we have a traumatic event? This is a very important time to seek professional help because if we don't take care of a traumatic event and the healing that comes from that, we will get ancillary issues and problems that come from it. And generally there will be self-medicating issues, depression, anxiety. Um, Traumatic events generally create some post-traumatic stress disorder in our life which ushers in a, a myriad of problems if we don't get on top of it. So traumatic events are anything from um, seeing a car accident that was a, a traumatic car accident and being a secondary trauma where you watched it happen and were not able to stop it or help it. Uh, it can have to do with uh, lose the loss of a loved one. It can go back to family of origin issues where there may have been sexual abuse, sexual assault, uh, emotional abuse, abandonment. These types of things that set up our uh, sympathetic nervous system to be traumatized and and acting in an escalated manner so that we've got a lot of stress hormones going on and we are seeing the world from a very hypervigilant state is what we would, the term that we would use is that everything is amplified and everything becomes serious. And so we have a hard time just settling down. And that's what traumatic events have a tendency to do. Also, what if I have lack of support? So therapists can offer great emotional support beyond what our family and friends can offer. Because many times, maybe our family and friends are enduring some of the same things that we are. Or, or maybe what we're struggling with is beyond the scope of a family or friend. Maybe we're afraid of what their response or reaction is going to be, and we don't want to incur more injury to ourselves. So maybe if we go outside of that and we talk to a third party, an objective observer, that we can really get a handle more on the issue so that if we want to share it with people in our lives, we have a better handle on how to share it so that we maybe get our needs met better by them. What if we have relationship problems like I spoke about in the earlier um, segment where I have this couple that waits to see me until they want to get divorced and then they come in for therapy. When I would like them, to come in early on when things are just rocky and not going well and they're having you know, long periods of time, maybe weeks or months that they're not connecting and they're not clicking and things are painful or they're saying things to one another that are hurtful, that make it harder and harder to um, overcome or forgive. Maybe they're having sexual dysfunction for a, a period of, of time that, that, that maybe isn't directly resultant to a specific physical problem. So these are things that you would come to see a therapist before it becomes so major that it is very difficult to heal. You also want to have um, help from a professional person if you want personal growth. So many people improve their lives simply by going to see a therapist. And I do a lot of life management um, with some of the clients that I see. And that's just really making sure that, wow, if they're at the baseline that they don't slide under the baseline, that they stay actually on the baseline and above and that they enjoy their life so much more and are able to, to really do what God has called them to do. So in the end, seeking out therapy, this is a personal decision. And if you are unhappy or dissatisfied with your life, this is a great reason to try therapy. And I want to encourage you again, you keep asking for what you need. If you see a therapist you don't like them, get another one. If you don't like that one, get another one. And so that you really don't just wait until the very last minute, till you have no other recourse, and then you call a therapist. Or if you don't like the therapist you have, get a new one, because it really is about your life and what you need. So let's talk about what are some of the obstacles that cause us to also not want to get the help that we need, because maybe you're struggling with something. So it's natural many times to turn to others, but Helping each other is all part of giving and receiving that makes up for good relationships. And that sounds very simple, but it's not always easy to do. Sometimes we stand in our own way. And there are, you know, are certain beliefs or ways of thinking that make it hard for us to see the opportunities for help or to take advantage of them. And so it's why am I not asking for help from either family, friends, lay counselors, uh, my pastor at my church, um, mentors, Or psychotherapists or doctors, whatever it is, what's getting in the way? And one of the first obstacles is that we believe that needing help is a sign of weakness. Now, intellectually, I think most of us have gotten over that. But there still is an emotional component to this, that asking for help is a sign of weakness. What I want you to know is that asking for help actually shows maturity and confidence. It's actually a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness because you know what you need and you're not afraid to reach out for it. And so this is one of the most important things to really reframe that lie that the enemy wants to give us is that, wow, if you really need help, there must be really something wrong with you. I mean, if you really have to reach out for even a therapist, my gosh, you're really screwed up. And you have to know that those are lies. Those are straight lies from the pit of hell. The enemy knows how to talk to us to stop us from getting the things that we need. So how about this obstacle number two? Thinking you don't deserve help or support. See, everyone needs help now and then. And we talked about this earlier in the show, this phenomenal insight I had about the power of helping and the power of receiving help. So imagine, this is Jesus. He is God in the flesh. And we have this unnamed man that helped carry his cross. Imagine if God had too much pride to refuse that help. Imagine that. He knew he needed help. He took it. He took it because he needed to get his job done. So he took the help he needed in order to fulfill the calling that God had on his life. He didn't let pride get in the way or being afraid of what people would think of him. And refusing. And, and so he didn't refuse the help. He re- accepted that help that he needed. And how empowering it is for us to read that story. And to see how powerful it was that that man helped him that man was pulled out of the crowd and willing and did it so we want to really understand that this idea of thinking that we don't deserve help or support completely goes against the entire story and impetus of the gospel how about this third one not speaking up to ask for help see sometimes you're lucky enough to have people in your life who see what you need and they offer you help before you ask right Sometimes they offer us help when we didn't ask and we wish they didn't offer it because we want to resist it and refuse it. And usually it's a parent, a close friend, uh, maybe sometimes it's a colleague, maybe it's one of our bosses. But sometimes we need help and we have to ask for it. And this is usually when we probably have been hiding it for some time and we've been resistant to getting some help. Sometimes we might be one of those people that look like we never need help. We look like we have our life all together and, and we're managing and managing, but inside we're kind of struggling and stumbling. But we look like on the outside we've got us so together that nobody could ever imagine we would need help. And that gets in the way of us asking for help as well. So we have to make sure that we just say, you know what, it's ridiculous for me to think I might not need help. That would be inhuman and that would be ungodly. So the best approach is to be clear and direct and just say something like, hey, you know, I'm having trouble with this. Can you help me? The more confident I feel about the fact that I need help and there's no shame in needing help, that's part of being human and that's part of being a part of society, a part of the body, that the most unhealthy are the ones that won't ask for help. So how about number four? This is waiting for someone else to make the first move. So some of us, sometimes we keep thinking to ourselves, doesn't anybody see this? Don't they see how hard I'm struggling? Don't they see how much help I need? What more needs to happen before somebody steps up and intervenes? And I I get that feeling. I understand that. But like we said before, you may not be as obvious as you think you are. It's not always easy for other people to see that we need help. And maybe we're putting on that cheerful face, you know, to mask the problem. Or maybe we're giving off a vibe that we don't want to talk about it. And so don't wait for someone to read your mind or notice what you need. Don't, don't let your life fall apart to the point that someone has to intervene. Intervene on yourself. The healthiest people are the ones that intervene on themselves. Why do I want a group to have to intervene on me? Why don't I just intervene on myself? I know what's happening. I know what's going on. Why would I not just do that for me and take care of it so that I have less wreckage and damage? How about number five? giving up too easily. This is a very powerful one. See, what we have a tendency as humans to do is if help doesn't get us what we expect right away, it's tempting to give up. But getting help takes an ongoing effort. It might take multiple attempts and it might take getting over being disappointed. It might take getting over being hurt by someone that resisted or refused help or helped us inappropriately or thought they could help us and then they really didn't. This may be continually asking God, beseeching God, sometimes for years for some of the things that we need, and enduring that act of faith so that we undermine and undo our tendency to believe we deserve less than. And so we really want to continue to ask for what we need until we get what we need. We don't want to give up in this process. We don't want to just accept and just say, well... I guess I'm destined to have a life that doesn't work. What we want to say to ourselves is, no, I'm worth it. I'm, I'm the one that's taking care of me. I'm the caregiver. So I'm going to make sure that I get what I need. So why is asking for help so important? Well, none of us can do it alone. And the people who believe in us remind us that we have what it takes no matter and that we are loved. And we have people many times in our lives that are reminding us of this. If we don't, then that's one of the things that we need that we need to make sure that we ask for. Sometimes, though, we have to reach out for extra, extra help. So as much as maybe our fa- friends and family might love us, they also have issues of their own that might complicate the help they're trying to give us, right? So it's hard to reach out for help, but we don't want to hesitate to reach out. And we don't want to hesitate to offer support to another person either. Because giving and receiving help are, are great life skills to learn. And they help us learn character qualities like empathy and generosity. So what I want you to really think about here is that one of the things about needing help is I know when I need help if something is enduring. I know I need help if it's dangerous, if it's illegal, immoral, unethical, if it's hurtful. But let's not wait until it's major to get some help. And why might I not ask for help? Maybe I think it's because I caused it. Well, maybe I did. That doesn't change the need for help. Maybe I'm embarrassed. Maybe I'm afraid to be found out. Maybe there's a part of the problem I want to keep. And maybe maybe it's that I just don't know how to do it. And so I need to ask God to help me know how to get what it is that I need. Because I don't want you to miss out on the life that God has for you. You see, we need to keep asking until we get what we need because you are worth it. And there is power in helping and there's power in being helped. And we think back about the man that helped Jesus carry his cross. So don't rob yourself or others of those actions. Asking for help can be scary, but it's one of the bravest things you could ever do. So be a leader in your family. Be a leader in your community. We only have one life. Get what you need. Don't look back and regret your pride and seeing that you lost the most precious thing because you're afraid to ask for help or you're too embarrassed. God has never once apologized for his people. Follow Jesus' lead. Let someone help you deal with a cross in your life. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Have a great week.
1: ...motivating and inspiring to you.